0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, May 30th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, happy Memorial Day. I know you're not in America, but it's a big holiday in the U.S., the kind of beginning of barbecue season.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I have very fond memories of Memorial Days. Unfortunately, where I used to live, we used to celebrate it by going to Fair Hill races. Ah. And, And this year, they've canceled them. Because of COVID or? No, they have some excuse. Okay, that's too bad. They're canceled anyway for this year.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah and i um yeah so obviously that you know memorial day started to honor um all of those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for you know for freedom so you know, just want to give a nod there uh but it is it, i also have a lot of fond memories when i was living in the states of yeah celebrating in backyards and <laughs> uh eating all kinds of amazing food so um, what's going on in mba admissions
1: land well, a couple of interesting things this upcoming week is kind of like the final week of sort of decision releases, other than Harvard's deferred admissions program, which is in another month or, or, or so. Yeah. But, but the traditional sort of round three decisions. Um, this upcoming week, we're looking at Sloan, Stern, and Cornell am, are releasing decisions. And that really winds up the season, other than HBS as well as other than waitlists. And I did notice last week, um, actually today, the day we're recording, Harvard released or or admitted a few folks off their waitlist. Now, that's really important because a school at the top of the pyramid admits folks from the waitlist. That draws folks away from other schools a little bit lower down they will then need to go to their wait list. So I'm expecting to see the trigger. <laughs> some additional wait list activity over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I saw that too. And yeah, you always get this, <clears throat> whatever you want to call it, sort of a trickle down effect where, you know, they go to theirs, then Wharton goes to theirs and then Columbia goes. I mean, just, yeah, everyone. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens, but there is movement. That's And it, it is, um, I mean, it always happens, but I, as we've said all along, we think this is kind of a probably a good year to be on a wait list because the schools are going to use their lists. Um, Yeah, I guess one thing I wanted to say is last week was, was it Booth and Stanford gave out their round three decisions and probably, I think I saw there was some wait list movement out of those schools too, because that often, you know, runs in parallel with the round three decisions.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. So yeah, for those on the way, it's, it's not too late yet. The key to being on a wait list at this late stage, is making sure the school knows you're agile. You can come if admitted, even at this late point. That's, that's like a big issue for schools right now. They don't want to admit anyone from the wait list that they're not sure is going to attend.
0: Yeah, fair point. Um, obviously makes their job easier. I know this is that time of year where in the admissions office, it can be kind of uh, nerve wracking because you you feel like you have your class assembled, but then, you know, you lose a couple here and there, then you got to go to your list and you're, you're trying to keep the balance of that class, you know, industries, geographies, ethnicities. I mean, everything's got to fit together like a puzzle. So it, it's a it can be a tricky time. And I think most schools like to feel Like the school is like, like the classes all sort of buttoned up before they, you know, hit June, but it's, uh, there's always some, some late movement, especially this year. So, um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that over on the website, we did a story about, uh, Michigan Ross has a new Dean. Uh, she is a professor from Leeds School of Business. Her name is Sharon Matusik and she, yeah, we did a piece about that. So just kind of interesting. I can't remember the name of the Dean who was at Ross before, but he was a pretty high profile Guy and, you know, I saw, you know, he made the rounds with media quite a bit and seemed like a, a really great guy. So I, hopefully, you know, these are kind of big shoes to fill, but it seems like, uh, you know, she seems pretty exciting. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if you read that article or not.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't see it. And I assume when you talk about Leeds School of Business, you talk about Leeds in, is it Colorado? No. Not Leeds, the northeast of, of, of the UK.
0: No, I, I am talking about Leeds, and I believe so, in, in the UK. I thought that's where, now I have to go back oh, and wow. I'm, Yeah, I'm pretty sure, but I, I could go back and, and double check. But
1: uh, We we better know our stuff, Graham, otherwise it's going to be C- completely revealed that we we sit here talking each week and we have not we have no clue what we're talking about. No,
0: you're right. She, you're right. I, you know, I'm so living in Europe. Like my first thought was Leeds in the UK, but you're right. I'm just looking back, and it does say in the in the um, in the summary that it's from the business school at the University of Colorado Boulder, which happens to be called Leeds, like the yes. university in the UK. Um, See, wow, okay. I knew that, Greg. Okay. I knew
1: that. Yes, Yes. (laughs) that's funny
0: because my first instinct was to assume it was somebody from the UK. All right. Anyway, Uh, so the other thing we did on the website is we ran a couple more new uh, real humans pieces. And these are alums who the first one graduated from Cornell Johnson in 21. Uh, It's a woman named Daphne Amir, and she works for Google in their kind of cloud division as a technical account manager. And she's originally from Palo Alto. So that's kind of cool. So I guess she's, I, I assume she's, I, I think she's working for Google and probably on the West Coast. I have to double check that. But in any way, I, I pulled a quote from her because I thought it was interesting. We, you know, we always ask these real humans to give advice to future candidates who are going to follow in their footsteps. And she had this great quote about finding that sort of post-MBA job. And what she said was, there's no such thing as the perfect post-MBA job and that's not the goal. Recruiting during the MBA can be hectic and stressful, and students, myself included, place a lot of stock in getting their dream job after graduation. I have already seen Johnson peers and friends a year or two ahead of me transition to a new role or company after gaining skills at their last job. While I'm excited by the prospects that lie ahead at Google, I love preserving the eyes wide open mentality as wide as they were when I first started my journey at Johnson. So that's kind of a, I just thought that was a really great quote, this idea that there does seem to be a lot of focus around, I'm going to get that job at McKinsey or Google but she's right. I mean, I know from my fellow grads at Wharton, people move around a lot. You know, they spend a year or two here, then they move on to there. And, and so this obsession over where you land immediately falling may be a bit overrated. And so I just thought it was interesting to hear her say that.
1: Yeah, no, very good. Although I would say a little bit of loyalty is important too, making sure when you're going through that recruiting process, you clearly signal that you do you're excited and you want to stay at where you're going, right? (laughs) Not just using it as a stepping stone.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think what you say to the recruiter is maybe different than what you have in the back of your mind. And I also, I personally, even today, when I'm looking at resumes, you know, we we occasionally hire people. Uh, I I do like to see someone who's stayed long enough in a role to advance or or to have some milestones. So people who hop around, and we talk about this on the podcast, if you see a candidate for business school who's changing jobs every year, that can be a bit of a red flag. So yeah. Uh, The other one that we put up is this guy named Rafael Ferreira. He's a software engineer at Google. And I think this is the first one that we profiled that he's actually a Columbia Business School graduate, but he did a master's of science in financial economics. So not an MBA, kind of a young guy. And his advice was, he just said, do network with people many opportunities are off the radar and hard to find searching online. So talking to people from industry is definitely a must. So that's kind of good advice. I think especially for those maybe looking to forge their own path in a a less common sector. But I thought that was just interesting to hear as advice.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, very good.
0: Uh, moving right along, we continue to collect reviews, so if you are a fan of what Clear Admit does here on the podcast, over on the website, if, if you just like Clear Admit, we have a little place on the web where you can go, just bit.ly forward slash Clear Admit Reviews, all one word, all lowercase, and you, you can go on and you can give us a star rating this literally just a few questions and and it allows you to leave a review. And we've been gathering these reviews. We're going to put them to use across the website in the near future. And it's just been really, kind of heartwarming to see <laughs> what people have to say about the community. So really fun. And I you know appreciate that Alex, this was kind of your call and, and obviously some of the team members on our, on our side setting this up. So a lot of fun. Yeah, no, very good.
1: It's always great to get, get the feedback, but I mean, it's just so super critical in, in this sort of digital age. Yeah. You know, when people figure out that, you know, our, you know, when you're first, looking at getting a top tier MBA, you come to ClearAdmit's website, you don't know if we're a great resource or not. If you see the reviews, it'll give you a little bit more comfort that ClearAdmit is actually probably, potentially a good place to sort of <laughs> um, navigate to to, to, to yeah. you know go down that learning curve of the MBA admissions process.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say we're definitely a good place. Like I think we- Well, you know, I, <laughs> hope, I
1: hope people think that, but the point yeah. is, It's it's, it's no good just knowing that after the, 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 the process is concluded. It's good to get a sense of that beforehand so that you then join. Yeah, agreed.
0: The other thing is I've got some uh, fun news. I've been corresponding with some uh, admissions directors and I'm going to do a couple more, a handful more podcasts with admissions directors. I know over the last year, we've done a lot of schools. We've managed to get, you know, Harvard, Wharton, Stanford, I mean, a a lot of schools. And they're, they're available in the archives. If you want to go back and listen, it's just me sitting down with the admissions director or Dean and and talking through how they, uh, you know, how they go through the admissions process, what they look for. And I know we're going to have, we're going to have Cornell. I'm trying to get Ross. So we're getting some additional schools into the pipeline for that. So those are forthcoming. The other thing is that last week we closed the books on our admissions events. I mean, what an amazing month of May. I mean, we literally got to, I got to hang out with admissions folks from, you know, Columbia, Chicago, Cornell, Dartmouth, Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, UT Austin, Berkeley, Wharton. It was like a who's who. We had LBS and INSEAD from Europe, Michigan, Yale, UCLA, UVA, Darden. So A who's who of top programs. And we're going to do another wave of these types of sessions, but not until July. And the July webinars or whatever you want to call them, online events are going to be all about essays. So we literally just sit down and grill the schools that join us on their essay questions. And and so it's it's not at all them just telling you why their program's great. It's it's really tactical stuff about what they look for, how they wrote these essay questions, etc. So those are a lot of popular I don't know if signups are available yet. So I'm not gonna say where to go, but I know that's forthcoming. So you want to sign up for those as soon as we announce. In the meantime we have an event planned for June 8th at 12 Eastern. I think that's a Wednesday. And that's going to be another webinar. Uh, but but this time with a couple of special guests, we're, we're organizing an event all about strategy consulting or management consulting, whatever you want to call it. And it's, you know, it's just a primer to, so that people can understand. What does it mean to go work at, you know, McKinsey, Bain, BCG, or other firms like them? How do you get a job like that? What's what's the job like? And, and also, the folks that are going to be leading that session are a guy named Chandler Arnold, who used to work at BCG and now uh, actually works at Stacey Blackman, and then a woman named Erica Susserman, or I don't know how you pronounce her last name, maybe it's Susserman, anyway, She used to be in charge of MBA hiring at BCG and now works at a company that is sort of all about helping people to find consulting jobs. So it should be an interesting session. If you want to sign up for that, you just go to bit.ly forward slash CAConsultingJune. So, and that's all one word, all lowercase. So Alex, I think that's all we have before we get into the candidates. We did get a really lovely letter that I shared with you. And it's from a guy who we'll call B and he writes, Graham and Alex, I wanted to thank you guys along with the rest of the clear admit team working behind the scenes for the immensely helpful tips and tricks the team provided during this year's application cycle. I don't think I've ever refreshed a page as often as I did Livewire, and the podcast was an absolute must-listen for me on my Monday morning commutes to the office. While I was never featured on the podcast, each episode helped me better align my goals and refine my approach to applications. Your tips helped me position certain aspects of my application, and I am sure they played a part in overcoming what adcoms could view as my potential shortcomings. He actually mentions that he had only two years of work experience when he applied. Uh, I'm happy to share that after a long process, I was admitted off of Fuqua's waitlist with a 50% scholarship. As you guys have mentioned, thankfully it was a good year to be a waitlisted candidate. I can't thank you guys enough for the wor- work that you put out there. It truly made a difference in my application. And I will recommend Clear Admit to every prospective applicant I come across. So that's from, uh, from B and I just wanted to thank him for, for sending that in. Really cool stuff, Alex
1: yeah no absolutely brilliant um and yeah to the extent that folks um appreciate what we're doing, i mean you know from a self interest standpoint it's great just great to hear that no doubt yeah no doubt, yeah, yeah. so
0: what I'm surprised about just as an aside is the amount of money that's getting handed out for waitlist candidates now too, yeah. it used to be unheard of. If you got in off the waitlist, it was sort of like you were just lucky to get in and, and there was no money that was going to be thrown your way. So it's it's nice to see that yeah. even waitlisted candidates get cash.
1: Quite honestly, I think what what's happening in those instances is those folks have put on the waitlist to some degree, not not in all cases, but to some degree because the school isn't convinced that they they're the number one and um, and program right so so you use the waitlist to sort of tease that out and if they come their response to the waitlist really does reaffirm the reason why they want to be at fuqua or whatever it is then yeah it's like well let's admit this guy but we all, we already like them anyway so let's give them some scholarship and convince them to come yeah no exactly
0: so yeah. uh without further ado what do you say we get into the candidates that you picked out let's kick on all right so this is wiretaps candidate number one so this week we kick off with an ApplyWire entry and this candidate is looking to start in the fall of 23. they've got columbia harvard mit kellogg stanford and wharton on their target list They have been working in both HR and kind of strategy and business development. I think all of these roles within the kind of wealth management sector. And they're thinking post-MBA perhaps about getting into technology. They mentioned LinkedIn, Uber. They also talk about even just kind of smaller tech companies maybe working in strategy and operations. Their GMAT score is a 740 and their GPA is a 3.9. So lots to like there. They have four years of work experience located in New York, would love to land in New York post MBA. They mentioned that they went to a top public university in the US and they graduated at the top of their class with lots of undergraduate honors and awards. They then went into an HR rotational analyst program at a bank um, and and again, have transitioned into kind of um, different roles more within strategy and business development now so that's kind of the basic points that they left us they did say that they're thinking about maybe a mid-sized tech company as a target they said oh ten thousand plus employees or so public and so lots of specificity around the type of company they might want to target post mba but alex let's break this down what did you sort of make of this candidate
1: yeah i mean overall if you look at their stats um they're, they're very strong right a 740 gmat 3.9 gpa right um and 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 and, you know they got many undergraduate awards and honors um graduated top of their class (laughs) so all this is really super good um and i and i'm imagining they've actually performed very well at work um you know they've gone through a rotational program and then they've transitioned to a high growth strategy focus area i assume for the same firm um and and Again, I'm just assuming that this will all be supported with very strong wrecks. Yeah. Um, so so all that side of it is outstanding and would lead you to presume that they should be targeting the very best. And they are. They're targeting, you know, Harvard, Sloan, Kellogg, Columbia, Stanford, and Wharton. So so that all makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah.
0: It's like the M7 basically without, without Chicago. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, why why Chicago too, right? But yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. They, they, on, on all those metrics, I absolutely agree, they, they should be targeting um, those programs. Um, we know less about their activities outside of work. Um, so so would be quite interested in what their interests and pursuits are outside of work. That, that's not to say that if they have none at all, and and were never involved even at college and and so forth, then that excludes them from the M7. But if they do have additional activities and interests and hobbies and volunteer work outside of work, that's going to add another component, another dimension to their overall profile. So we don't know that. I'd be interested in understanding that a little bit more. That might sort of separate them from the top three to the M seven or it might it, it it could be a factor. And then yeah, let's their goals. I think their goals are pretty good, but you made a very good point, I think, in terms of their experience has been in um in in, in the banking sector. So having a sort of long term focus on fintech might make more sense than consumer tech and so forth, just to sort of tie back to some of their prior experience. But overall, Graham, I think an outstanding candidate.
0: Yeah, and you're referring to something that I wrote on the site because you and I both left them some comments. And yeah, basically they have these goals that might be regular tech. Uh, You know, we mentioned like LinkedIn or Uber or whatever, but then they also talk about maybe being interested in fintech. And you know, I, or I, th- I thought they mentioned that somewhere, um, maybe, yeah. and and I, and I feel like that would be so much more palatable for me, yeah uh, because of their background, right? So if I were them, I would play the finance card, even though I recognize they've been working on the HR and strategy sides of finance they're not They're not a trader or a banker, but still, I think having some thread that they can weave through the past into the future makes a lot of sense to me. Um, otherwise, yeah, I like the candidacy. I agree with you though, those intangibles that we don't know about their outside activities. We don't know if this is a male or a female candidate. So there, there are a few things that we just don't know that might help us, as you say, to figure out, is this like a top three, top seven, top 15, you know, cause right now the one risk they have, if I were to tell you that, you know, they go into this process with kind of fuzzy goals or goals that don't necessarily align with their past as well as, you know, maybe they're, uh, I don't know. Don't have any outside activities because they're working all the time. Like suddenly, you start to say, "Okay, is this list too aggressive?" Whereas if we were like to know that they had lots of outside activities, you know, then that might change things too. Yeah. So just something for them to keep in mind. I don't know if um, I mean, I I think the school list is otherwise fine. Like it's. Yeah, I I'm trying to think of like what's a school I would add if I were to look for something, you know, like a, a safety type uh option for them. Yeah, I mean the
1: the the next tier down would be Yale and Hass and, and um Tuck, okay. right? Um yeah, yeah. so 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 either of those those three would, would potentially make sense. But also maybe they target these programs in round one.
0: Yeah and get see what some happens.
1: feedback after round one to to go back into round two. Now, the issue with doing that is, are they somewhat overrepresented? Do they need that safety school into round one just to sort of cover all their bases? So so think through some of those issues, too.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I want to thank that person for submitting their profile. And Alex, great picking it out. Uh, Let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry that we received, again, someone targeting fall 23. They've got six schools on their target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, NYU, UCLA, Anderson, and Wharton. They've been working in both media and marketing prior to business school, and they're thinking about either consulting or tech after business school, They did list mostly consulting firms, so I'm guessing that might be where they're leaning. So they've got Accenture, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, etc. Their GRE score is a 320, and their GPA is a 2.9. They have eight years of work experience and they're based in New York and also would like to land in New York. So we got a little bit of a theme there (laughs) this week. Uh, They mentioned they have an unconventional career trajectory for most MBA applicants. And the reason is, is that they worked for analytics, worked in analytics for a large media agency in the US and then they pivoted to volunteering in Thailand as an English teacher. And then I think returned and, and work in digital media for emerging brands and startups now so they're looking they say to move into green tech or sustainability as kind of a post MBA thing but perhaps consulting with a firm like doing consulting right after business school but for a firm that has some you know specialization in sustainability and and green tech so that's kind of the the background I know you and I talked about this one a lot and we both weighed in on the website but what do you make of this candidacy
1: Yeah I mean as they admit they're an unconventional candidate or at least their career trajectory thus far has been unconventional and I think what's going to be really important for this candidate in terms of their career trajectory is to explain the whys in terms of why did they transition to the volunteer experience what they got out of that and then transition back again um, and to to now working in digital media for emerging brands and startups um this all could be extremely positive um but without that sort of good explanations as to the whys that that could leave adcom a little bit um um and bewildered or, or or whatever and then obviously in each of these three sort of um experiences that they've had to date what how they've grown what they've gotten out of the experiences their impact all that kind of stuff is going to be very um, important um, so so that 's one aspect that I would make sure to focus upon then you 've got the question tied to their goals um, green tech and sustainability. Where's the evidence in in what they've done to date for this interest in green tech and sustainability? So that needs to come through, whether it's through their work experience or maybe they're doing something outside of work in their extracurriculars, volunteering or, or whatever it might be that has sparked this interest. Because obviously this interest is really topical. It's really popular. Um, But if I don't see any evidence of it in in the candidate's background, I'm just going to be like, well, they're just saying this because it's a popular thing to say at this point. So they need to make sure they cover those bases. Um, So that'll be very important. And then the third aspect of the candidate's sort of profile um, is is their counting stats, their numbers. They're not outstanding. Um, Their GPA, frankly, is going to be well below average. Um, their GRE is also below average. So, they're going to need to do something about that aspect of their profile, whether it's doing some transcript repair with MBA Math or HBS Core, um, considering retaking the GRE or doing both. Um, But that aspect is going to lower their Um, Trajectory in terms of target schools that are going to be accessible to them, and they have a pretty high-profile set of target schools currently listed. Graham, so they're going to have to think about these, what I would call three areas um, to shore up. Now they can certainly shore them up. I'm not saying that they are not able to target these programs, but they're going to have to be pretty deliberate in their strategy from here on in.
0: Yeah. And I'll throw in another thing, which is that they must be about 30 years old if they have eight years of experience. So they're kind of an older candidate. And I, I do worry that yeah. I mean, I, like you were saying, this could go either way in terms of like, wow, you know, they, they had this interesting digital media experience and then they decided they wanted to, you know, do something culturally immersive and go and, and teach English in Thailand. And, and that you know, that could be really interesting. And maybe that's how they... I don't know, maybe there's some tie in with their interest in sustainability and, yeah. and seeing how, how the world works in other, you know, other other areas outside the US or I don't know. But I, I just, yeah, I, I also was thinking, wow, you know, they have this um, media thread, digital media thread that is on either side of that volunteer experience, right? They did digital media stuff before and that's what they're doing now. And I thought, wow, you know, it would be a lot easier to understand their want, you know, their need for the MBA and what they wanted, like if there was some kind of link again, and I know this is something that I say over and over again, but I just often feel like to the extent that your past experiences have prepared you for your future goals or have some nice connection, uh, that's always a winner for me. And I, and it could be, as you said, that they have some outside activities that are very much tied into green tech or sustainability and, and that could be fine too, right? So, but they've got to connect those dots. I'm I'm actually really worried about the numbers given the school selection. I just don't, I don't know how a 320, 2.9, you know, makes the cut at these top schools, unless there's some stuff that we don't have info on. I mean, maybe they're, you know, a bootstrapper or they're, you know, kind of a sought after, from a sought after group, but it's still, you know, they're they're a little bit behind. So yeah. I would argue like you that, yeah, retake the test, get a better score, look for like 3.25, I would say. Um, because typically when you've got a 2.9, which you can't fix exactly, you've gotta have an above average, like an outsized test score to kind of compensate. Yeah. And I would argue like you that they should take MBA math or HBS core to sort of get ready. So yeah, a lot of things that they need to do.
1: And to your point, unless they're a bootstrapper, of first gen or whatever it might be, um even a bootstrapper first gen has got to show and 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 you know show evidence that they will be successful in the rigorous sort of first quarter of that curriculum um and 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 you know, so it doesn't matter who you are, with a three twenty, two nine, the adcom might be a little bit queasy about that combination. Yeah. Um so the the, the the there is a combination of numbers that would disqualify you no matter how strong you are in other aspects of your profile. So um, they, they're really going to have to knuckle down on, on that aspect, I would think.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. Cause yeah. I mean, you know, obviously we do sometimes see cases where a school will give a conditional admit where they say, you know, look, you're admitted, but you've got to go take these three courses before you can show up or you, we want you to retake the GMAT or, you know, that, that does happen from time to time, but you don't want to be, and that's, that means that <laughs> the, the committee loves you so much that they're willing to kind of, you know, make this exception but then there's this hurdle for you to kind of yeah. cross too so you
1: want to preempt that yeah you and want, I, you want to get in front of all these issues and and the the reality here is it's we're, we're in may yeah so they have time to retake the gre right. they have time to potentially look at mba math or hbs core yeah um so um, best of luck to them. And, you know, I might have underplayed this connection to green tech because you did raise a very good point that they, this Thailand experience may have exposed them to some issues. And from there, that might be the sort of the, the nugget that got them on the pathway to recognizing the importance of sustainability yeah. from a direct personal experience rather than just a more abstract. Oh, everybody knows the world is burning up. So we've got to right. sort this stuff <laughs> out. type yeah. thing. So, exactly. so, so, yeah, it so yeah, could be a completely genuine sentiment on their part, based on their personal experience, and that's what AdCom is going to be looking for, right? Rather than. Yes, everybody knows sustainability is is the way to go because we need business leaders that are much more environmentally friendly.
0: Yeah. um, One last thing. We both told them we weren't super happy with the school selection, not only because it's a pretty high end list and their numbers maybe don't mesh, but yeah. even so, they want to land in New York and they have UCLA and Berkeley on the list, which, you know, it could be fine. But I was sort of wondering, like, you know, you, you mentioned, well, there's Duke, Darden, Keenan Flagler, which are also not quite as high ranked as Harvard or something and, and might be smart to have on the list. And then I yeah. also threw in there Cornell and Yale cause they're proximity to New York and stuff. So they just want to probably think about that aspect too. So in any event, um, I want to thank them for their post and yeah, let's move on though and talk about wiretaps candidate number three. So our last candidate for this week is another apply wire entry. They also want to start in 23. They have 10 schools on the target list, and it's a varied list that includes Cambridge, Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Duke, Emory, Georgetown, Michigan, Rice, Wharton, and Yale. They've been working in IT systems, like as an analyst and and doing analytics as well. They'd love to get into consulting. Their GMAT score is a 730, their GPA is a 3.0, and they have six years of work experience. They're located in the U.S., and they mention that they are an overrepresented majority uh, American citizen from a job function, IT, that is considered overrepresented as well <laughs> because of the high number of international candidates with that profile. They mention that, um, you know, they've they've got some good experience. They've, you know, had promotions, worked at brand name companies, or at least one brand name company, and they, you know, are looking to kind of go into Uh, consulting they mentioned that there I can't remember where it was but there's something in here about oh right the school that they attended is a public ivy and they did engineering as an undergrad so I'll stop there because I, I know you and I both weighed in on them by leaving comments on the site but there were some questions from the candidate about you know whether or not a top 15 school is a stretch for them and whether it might be worthwhile to retake the GMAT aiming for 750 plus or should they just focus on the applications at this point?
1: Again, this kind of there is actually quite a lot to like, right? So let's let's un un unpack that first. The seven thirty G mat's very good. Um, that's good, and I do think they've done very well at their workplace. Now it might be sort of overrepresented, sort of role, you know, IT focused, and and so on and so forth, but um but you know they 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 received an award for high performance after after their first year they've got you know several promotions and and stuff so i'm going to assume that they're also going to get some very strong wrecks as a as a as a sort of result of their work experience um they do some extracurricular stuff which is good so mentoring that's always something that, that adcom like um mentoring sort of Says, says a lot about the mentor and, and so on and so forth mm-hmm. so 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 we could say that that that, that can be helpful too now um, where where are there going to be some, some issues um, potentially with this candidate they admit that you know maybe their type of work and, and so forth they're going to be a little bit overrepresented um, um, and so forth they, they have an engineering undergrad 3.0 that's going to be a little bit Weaker in terms of the GPA, although we recognise that engineering is is certainly a tougher um, thing. What I do like about their work experience is they said they've had some leadership exposure. Um, um, you know, so sometimes these IT folks out of engineering programs they're very good, sort of working to to instruction and and doing stuff um, as instructed, but actually working with folks and 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 leading small teams and that that that's really. Um, quite good. I like that. Um, so, you know, they did actually ask us a question about should they retake the GMAT? And I think this is a really interesting question, Graham, because they've got a 730. Um, but with all the the other variables, components of their profile, there's no doubt if they came back with a 750 or a 760, that would actually make a difference. And I hate to say that, because ADCOM isn't only focused on test scores but potentially in this candidate's case, a higher test score, even though the test score itself is already at average for the very best schools, a higher test score will make a difference and it'll make an outsized difference for the types of programs they're targeting. If they're targeting top 15, I think an outstanding test score for let's say that sort of top 12 to top 16 type program has more value than an outsized test score for a top three or a top seven program. And I could go into various theories of why that is, um, but that's a a point of view that I have. So if they do think that they can nudge this score up 20 points, 30 points, um, you know, with, with some effort, that would be good. But they should probably target the first rounds, so there's be a little bit of a um, attention there. If they could get all this done, strong apps, new test score, and hit those first rounds, because they're worried that they're overrepresented. So yeah, that's my quick assessment.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is um, it's an interesting case because, on the surface, you would say like, why on earth should anyone ever retake a seven thirty? Yeah, but. But given that lower GPA of 3.0 and the fact that they do have some Whartons and, you know, uh, what is it, Duke and Michigan on the list, these are top schools with pretty high test averages. You know, you start to say, wow, if that's the area that they're really going to focus on, then they need to go for it. I do think, you know, there are some schools on their list, Rice, uh, maybe Emory, maybe Georgetown, Cambridge, where maybe the numbers are okay. You know, I mean, they're not going to be jumping off the page, but there, there are plenty of people in those uh, programs with those, these types of numbers. So some of it depends on where they want the focus to be. I don't think they're going to apply to all 10 of these schools. That would be quite aggressive. And so they're probably going to need to reduce the the number a little bit. But I, yeah, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, again, and I feel like we, we say this a lot, but I think they should um, consider, you know, taking uh, MBA math or HBS core to repair that three Oh, to show that they've got the aptitude and that they're ready kind of for business school. It's, I recognize as an engineer, there may be less of a fear around quantitative ability, but it's still, it's always a good look to do some of these things. And you know, MBA math is cheap. It's fast. You can kind of do it on your own time. And it's kind of an easy thing to, to tick off the list. But in any event, I I like this candidate. I I love the fact that they seem very self-aware. They also, you know they feel like writing is a strong point they're going to be okay with the essays and they're going to put in the time to to make sure all that stuff is is great so yeah th- there's a lot to like i just yeah it's sort of that fear around the 3-0 with the sort of being overrepresented in, in it but again they have a wide range of schools on their list so i'm not I'm not as worried as I was about the other candidate. I think it was the second one we talked about where right. it's sort of like they only have the top schools on the list, but they also have, you know, that two nine. So, so this person has a wider range of schools, which is good. Uh, other than that, yeah, I think you really covered it. Like, I think they're, they, they've got some things to do, but as you say, they could have a strategy around, you know, getting it all done over the summer and and applying to a handful of these in the first round and we'll, we'll see how it how it goes.
1: I did miss one point and I'm going to bounce back a quick question to you, Graeme. Of course. The point that I missed was their goals and I'm not as enamored by their goals unless they really explain them and express them. So again, it's a sort of short answer going into consulting in non-profits. that that's quite laudable. Um, but, but make sure there's some substance behind that decision and that choice. Um, and um, and so forth. And and then secondly, Gra- and I'd like you to comment on obviously on that, Graham. And secondly, if they've got to make a, a decision between doing an MBA math or a retake of the GMAT, which of the two would you advise?
0: Uh, in this case, with this candidate, given what I presume is a pretty good quantitative background from undergrad, I would just say... Go go after that 750 or 760 on the GMAT. Yeah, that would be my advice. As to the other thing, yeah, I, it did strike me too. Like there, for me, what they've indicated, is there's not a lot in their background that would suggest nonprofit is where they're headed, and so I was a little struck by that. I think consulting is pretty reasonable. A lot of people working in IT want, want to move over to the you know kind of management side of things, and the kind of yeah. consulting is a great place to start. So that part I get. Uh, they're going to need to support this nonprofit thing if 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 that's an angle they want to pursue. I think it would be perfectly reasonable for them to just you know, say they want to get into consulting and, and maybe help the kinds of companies that, for which they, they have worked. Um, that would be a really reasonable you know, kind of path that a lot of people take. So I don't know. Yeah, they need to the support. If they're going to say nonprofit or if someone's going to say sustainability or green tech or whatever it is, there's got to be some support in your activities and interests yeah. or, or work experience, I think. Otherwise, it's less palatable.
1: Yeah, and a long-term goal to sort of anchor to. Exactly. So if you, you're you going out of sort of the IT and you want sort of front-side consulting, strategy consulting, that's great, but what w- what's the long-term game plan? Yeah,
0: totally.
1: Um, yep. that, that would be important to, to address too. That might be where the non-profit is coming in. Yeah. But again, the whys behind it and how that's reflected in your current experiences would be important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex, I wanna thank you as always for picking out candidates for us to discuss week in and week out. Uh, It's always a lot of fun to break these down. It takes me back to my time reading files at Wharton. I'm sure it does for you as well. But in any event, we'll be back in one week's time. I wanna wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. Enjoy the barbecue if you're celebrating in America. And if you're elsewhere, thanks for tuning in. And please be sure to spread the word about this podcast.
1: Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.